Beards for Radio. Welcome back to another episode of the Beards for Radio podcast. We are back for the first time in about a month, and we got some exciting news to get to on multiple fronts on this one. I'm Joe. I'm Sasha. And uh, we're going to lead off with um, what I thought was some of the more exciting news from the last week. Um, We are getting a reboot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and the lineup of directors is a bit surprising and uh, it's going to be an animated film, kind of like the one we saw in 07, kind of like all of the recent TV shows that we're seeing from the Turtles. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, this kind of came out of nowhere. There was no, like, rumblings about it. You know how when there are reboots to things, you kind of hear about it in the in the works for a few years before it actually happens. But this news just kind of came right out and... It's being headlined by Seth Rogen. I believe he's going to be the producer on it. And uh, a couple other people that he's worked with uh, quite a bit. So what, what's your take on, on this? Yeah, like you said, it's, um, it's Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, James Weaver, and Jeff Rowe. These guys all have been parts of, like, I didn't even know who these guys were. I just, I went and saw, like, what they're, you know, what they've done. My kids watch Gravity Falls on, on uh, Nickelodeon, so... Jeff Rose, one of the writers of there, writes Gravity Falls. So I don't know too much about the other guys, but what I take out of this is that this is supposed to be, you know, Nickelodeon's first ever studio CG movie. So, like, they really can't mess this up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I also feel like if, if, if they get this right, I mean, sky's the limit. You got to think, you know, from we watched the, the, the show to the movies to the books. I mean, the movies alone netted, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles $1.15 billion just in the the movies alone. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about, you know, close to, you know, another billion just in the TV shows. You're talking about, you know, the merchandise, all that stuff. So, you know, TMNT isn't like, no, like no small thing dude this is like a really to me is a really huge reboot that has to be done well um some of the things i was reading on those there's gonna be a new cast to do the turtles which i'm I'm all right with because you know they're voiceover actors to me i don't care what a voiceover actor does they can you know i don't care you know if they're you know there's no green people or turtles so there shouldn't be no problem (laughs) casting people right yeah um so i don't care about that um i was also reading that it might be an r-rated film now this is this is just out there just out there um i I think uh, everybody's kind of looking back to seth rogan's animated movie um sausage Sausage fest yeah sausage party sausage fest whatever you know i think they're looking back at that and thinking like well because that was a great movie i I enjoyed it i i I wholeheartedly enjoyed it i think it's a totally adult movie you know it just is it raunchy? Yes. Is it dirty? Yes. But it's, you know, if you don't want to see it, don't see it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I enjoyed it. So I think a lot of people are thinking along the lines that Seth Rogen's going to kind of like do a sausage party-esque, you know, feel to uh, Ninja Turtles, which I wouldn't mind because it started off as a graphic novel. It started off, you know, nasty and like, uh, you it- know, dark and dismal you know what i'm saying so it's kind of it, like, it like, like a DC really, it, originally it wasn't really intended for kids you know like the target right. audience was 
at its at its start, it was kind of uh, aimed towards a much older audience. And if you look at like who the original audience was growing up now, like most of them are in their late twenties or thirties now. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be too far off. It's not like they would be throwing a Sonic the Hedgehog like R rated movie in there or something like that. You know, <laughs> right? Speaking of Sonic the Hedgehog, that was a really good movie. I'm glad Sonic. They went back and and fixed uh, the CG on it and waited a little bit because I I totally enjoyed that movie. I think they can they can really go off. For, I think Jim Carrey was a guy, but that was a side note. I think Jim Carrey <laughs> was a good villain, but that's a side note. But another thing is the um, reading a lot of people are worried about the origin issues. Are we going to have you know, since you're rebooting? Are we going to have another origin? Is there going to be another yeah. Splinter finds the turtles? They going to ooh? Is that is it going to be like how we kind of uh a poo-poo Batman for always having these Bruce Wayne walking down, uh, you know, uh, the dark alley yeah. with his, with his uh, parents. And I always wondered too, is why are multi-billionaires walking down an alley? They like, what, like Alfred didn't have the car waiting for them. That's another side. No, but anyway, so like, I don't want it to get to that point where it's just like, Oh God, we know what's going to happen. Just like skip through it. You know what I'm saying is like we didn't need a lot of origin when it came to Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man because we knew what happened to him. You know what I'm saying? We didn't need an origin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You kind of threw Tom Holland in there. We know about Spider-Man. He fit right in. You don't have to tell us that he got bit by a radioactive spider while on a field trip to, you know, uh, uh, Osborne, Oscorp. But we don't need to know that. We know that. We know what happened. So I don't want there to be an origin, per se, an origin story. They can touch on it, fine. They can even skip over it, fine. People, like you said, people like the diehard fans know what happened, know what's up. So we, I, I really don't want an origin beginning. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's not really something I'm looking for because, like you said, we we are aware of it. It wouldn't be the worst thing because it's not like Ninja Turtles movies have been done to death like Batman and Spider-Man movies have. You know, we got that first one in, what, 1990? Then we got sort of a reboot in 2014 that didn't really delve on the uh the origin too much well they kind of they kind of messed with the origin story they made it seem like uh, they were april o'neill's pets in her father's lab uh which was not the story but and and remember before they switched that there was talks about him having them be alien origin you know come from an alien (laughs) space like totally different which is the farther, yeah, I'm the farther with you on Michael that. Bay is away from this project, the better. I think we can agree on that for like most, yeah, most childhood. Michael Bay franchises. should just do like you. You are just doomed to do Transformer movies the rest of your life. That's it. Yeah, and like, bam, exactly. Um, but the one thing I will say about the Michael Bay movies is if if you could get over how the turtles looked, they the character of the turtles were actually like pretty spot on. And I actually thought the 2016 one, Out of the Shadows, was a pretty good movie. It was like maybe ranked fourth after the original uh, Secret of the Ooze and then TMNT, the uh, the Warner Brothers animated film from 07. Yes, that was that's, that's you know that's turning into such a cult classic too, which is really weird. Yeah. How like because that one is kind of like it's these... kind of like an add on to the those first three movies, but it's also kind of its own standalone thing. It's really up to interpretation of the audience. I wouldn't have minded oh, yeah, if they no, just mo- like most kept definitely. going with that, but I understand why they have to keep moving, you know? 
Right, right. But I think they're gonna take from some some from that too, which I I've been reading. But you know, you you touched on uh, 2016 out of the shadow, which I I enjoyed. Um, how you said how you said that you kind of you kind of see their character, you know, their 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 personality, persona. I I personally like that uh, that Raphael was like three times bigger than all of the turtles because <laughs> he's my favorite, you know. But you know, he's both our, our favorites. Yeah. So um, I like I like that. I I, 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 I enjoy. I, like, 500 pounds while every all the other turtles right. are like discussing something it's like yeah that seems accurate right or, or or duct taping on his shell to be like yeah come on just duct taping on his gun yeah. you know what i'm saying i i love that about uh raf i love the the persona they gave him but yeah i could have done without some of the you know like kind of like i don't know alien looking ish yeah they it's, look like to me, but... it's hard to get over how they look but like i said if you can ignore that like if they had just gone with the rubber suits for those movies, it would have been great. <laughs> if if they had right. like all yeah, the technology and they just brought out those right. old rubber suits from the nineties. I mean, like like they they can CJI them up a little bit, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Can, but anyway, but like um yeah, you're talking about on uh, 2016 Out of Shadow, and what I didn't like about that is they had like an overload of villains. Man, yeah. they had Shredder, they had. Uh, Baxter, they had Bebop, they had Rocksteady, they had Crane, Shredder, and then right. they had, uh, you know, the the foot soldier chick, uh, Ka, Karay, Karaya, whatever her Karai. name is. Which on a side, which on a side note is that, just I think it was a few years ago they introduced a new turtle into the mix. So I wonder if if this whole thing, because Karaya was the one who actually killed uh, Jenica. She actually mm-hmm. uh, stabbed her. She was like. Uh, like Splinter's like lieutenant, you know, after he took after he took over the the Foot Clan, and uh, so Karai was telling telling her, "You come with me." You stab uh, Splinter in the back. She said no. So the chick stabbed Jenica, and the only way they could save her is to use Leonardo's blood transfusion, which ultimately trans uh, mutated her into a new Ninja Turtle. Kind of, she kind of has like Wolverine claws. Kind of cool, which I, I, I think, I think, I don't think it's bad. Yeah, I wonder if they're gonna bring her in. It was like I think that'd be cool. It wasn't like that short-lived TV show where they added another blue turtle by the name of Venus. Um, yes. They were still doing the Venus de Milo. Yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. We don't need to right brush up that. It was like the new generation or something like that. I forget what it was called exactly. The only the only reason I didn't mind the overload of villains and out of the shadows too much, like it definitely got a bit uh, a bit too much as the movie went on, but I didn't mind the premise at first because in I want to say three of the five Ninja Turtles movies that exist, the only villain is the Shredder. I mean, you have uh, Toko right. and Razor in in Secret of the Ooze, but <laughs> those those weren't really like villain villains they were just kind of like puppets for shredder so i didn't mind like adding more characters from the comic books because we hadn't seen baxter or krang or bebop and rocksteady on screen yet in any aside from like tv shows but yeah as the movie went on it definitely got a bit bit much i feel like yeah like like the villains got muttered up too uh too much together there wasn't enough you know screen time to you know, showcase how dope the villains are at TMNT. So I feel like, you know, they just like hodgepodge, yeah. just like threw it together. So if like they want to make like a universe 
you know what I'm saying? Like a TMNT extended CU, universe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, extended universe, you know, like I feel like they should just, they should do a classy, like, you know, maybe next one it's, it's, it's the purple dragon gang. And then it's like, you know, next one's going to be Leatherhead. You know, maybe the third one on the line, they bring Shredder back, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just do a classy. Don't just like overload of villains. Yeah. Bam, just here you and, go. It's just like that's one thing I really didn't like about it. And the character it. of Casey Jones is very important too because they kind of just threw in the guy from Arrow and were like, yeah. Steve and, uh, he's also uh, trying to be a detective or he's a beat cop or something like that, which is just the antithesis of what Casey Jones actually is. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he wasn't one to be authority or follow authority. Yeah. So – yeah, I don't know who I, the dude who I, played I agree with the, that. the original was, but that dude was perfect for that role. I can't think of his name. He's a character actor, but yeah, he, he was he he. Thought, I felt like he came out straight up out of the original cartoon. You know what I'm saying? It was just like bam, like this guy was born to play Casey Jones. It was like perfect um, Elias Codius or something. He's got, yeah, he's something got like a, that. Like Fu Manchu handlebar mustache now, but nice. Yeah, yeah. And another thing I, I really do want them to calm, uh, calm down on the comedy. It was kind of, you know, I love the new, like the, like the Bay movies are okay. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of too, too many quips, too campy. You know what I'm saying? So like when I heard about the whole, it might be rated R, I was like, Hmm, I kind of like that. I'm not, I'm not going to say I don't like that, but um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It was too much comedy for me. I get it. I get it that, you know, sometimes they'll have their little quips, the little brother, the, the brothers going back and forth at each other. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, you know, shut up and punch. Right. You know? A movie, a movie like into the spider verse did it perfectly, you know? So it, it can be done. Yeah, I, you can walk that line with comedy and action. I feel like Marvel, they sometimes don't know how to walk that line as well. Like sometimes yeah. they dip too far into like being too, quippy but i'm not putting i'm not getting like too excited i'm definitely excited at the the prospect of it and the news definitely excited me but i could see a world where it turns out really bad so i don't want to get my hopes up too much you know no and you know and i was talking about you know the cinematic universe um did you see the new scooby-doo movie that came out i have not seen the new scooby-doo movie no it was kind of cool because they brought in like like Snidely Whiplash, you know, was the villain in the movie, and Mutley, and like they brought in all these like Hanna Barbera characters, you know. And at the very end, during the credits, they kind of like brought in Hanna Barbera characters meeting Scooby Doo, which that was a big part of Scooby Doo. He had a lot of crossover cartoons with people. You know what I'm saying? So I think like I like the kind of way Hanna Barbera started going at it. Like now, all of a sudden, you can make a Hanna Barbera cinematic universe straight up off of Scooby-Doo's back. You know what I'm saying? I feel like TMNT can do that. You know what I'm saying? They they can make a cinematic universe. They can make it off of the backs of the Turtles because the Turtles have many crossover episodes. I mean, recently we saw Batman and the Ninja Turtles. I mean, like, stuff can happen. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, to me, if they don't keep it as campy, you know, they they don't overflow it with, you know, all these, you know, villains you know that's why i I feel like uh nolan's batman was so good because you know he didn't throw 
Two-Face, the Joker, the Riddler, you know, uh, uh, Poison Ivy. They didn't throw them all into one flipping movie. You know what I'm saying? It's like they, they, they introduced Raja Ghoul. They did Joker. They suddenly put in Two-Face a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Next movie, they brought in Bane. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... I, they did it tastefully. They they introduced the villains, especially his main villains and his main allies, pretty darn good, I feel. And if TMNT goes along that same line, just introduce them subtly. Don't be campy. Kind of be a little more raw. You know, kind of walk the line between the cartoon and the original graphic novel, and I think they'll have a hit. So. This episode of the Beards for Radio podcast is brought to you by Farbar Fashion. Visit far-ebar.com to check out a lineup of products such as shirts, hoodies, bags, lots of different accessory type products. Again, that website is far-ebar.com. Check it out. Like, I feel like if they they don't keep it too campy, they, they, they kind of straddle that line between, you know, the 80s cartoon that everybody loved and the graphic novels and kind of keep it right there so you can't, like, you're not going to lose your older crowd. You're not going to lose your, lose your younger, crowd, younger crowd. I think they, they'll have something there. I think they can have a good cinematic universe, you know what I'm saying? Introduce villains along the lines like how Batman did it, you know? So. Yeah, and they really are a group of characters that transcends generations you know like it doesn't matter if if you were born in the 80s or the 2000s or the 70s or the 90s like pretty much anybody can really like get with the franchise and that's definitely something that they can use for as a selling point for this like not many ensemble superhero casts like the ninja turtles can relate to so many people like they can no absolutely i mean I mean, you got to think about it. They, they cover almost like every single personality. You got this, you know, you know, hard ass, you know, in Raphael. You got this, you know, mm-hmm. leader, leader, kind of golden boy in uh, in Leo. You got this nerdy guy in Dantel, and you got like a down to earth, comical, you know, you know, party class kind of guy. So he's like, you cover everything. It's like if you are not. If you you can't relate with one turtle, like I gotta question your humanity at that point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> honestly, I, honestly, they like there's something about you that has to that you you kind of relate with the turtles. All four of them are all completely different. You might even relate with Splinter. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But but they're such relatable characters, and they're not even human. That's the weird thing about it. You know what I'm saying? But they're to me, almost in a way, I, I, I'm more relatable with Raphael than I am. A lot of my favorite superheroes, Marvel and DC included. So, yeah, I'm just reading some comments from like the article published uh, of the announcement of this movie coming out. And a lot of people are just saying, go back to the original method, bring back the live action costumes. We don't want CGI. I've already seen like two, three or four comments like that, which is hilarious. I love that. No. I'm I'm with it too. I'm I'm sick of seeing CGI everything. Everything yeah. is CGI. Uh, do it. You can do it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'll do. You can you can put CGI in real suits just to change them up a bit. Come on, we we've seen we've seen a Thor's cape flying behind him. You know what I'm saying? He's not really. He doesn't really have a cape that's moving like that. Or like better yet, Doctor Strange's cape. 
He doesn't yeah. go flying around like that. You can use CGI somewhat, but you, like you said, keep it. I love the live action. I loved it. You know what I'm saying? I want that back. Uh, so I agree with that dude who had that comment. Congrats to him, and I'm glad that more people are kind of getting behind the live action suits. Yeah. I mean, but if the whole movie's going to be a CGI animation, it's different. But yeah, like Marvel has kind of lost me with that. Like maybe that's because we're specs grads. So like we we know a little bit about how the sausage is made. So we see those and it just kind of like takes us out of the suspension of disbelief when we see that, you know, because we we know a little bit about how it's made. And, you know, it it just kind of loses me a bit. And I'm not really interested in seeing what Marvel has coming out because I'm kind of like, yeah, I know I know the ingredients and the the method. I know the rhythm they're going to go into it. And I know that there's going to be a whole lot of like cgi shit that 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 i can't really get too invested in right you know what i'm saying it's just like i you know and i can watch star wars all day oh, you yeah. know i'm saying i can watch a, the cgi ones i can watch the small scale uh models that they use i can watch them all but you know what there's a certain a thing to star wars where i think that's acceptable you know i don't want to you know, be like hypocritical and be like, it's a, it's a, it's accepting for these guys to use CGI, but not these guys. But sometimes yeah. it, it really is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Lord of the Rings trilogy did it perfectly. You know, they used it where they needed to. But you look at Minas Tirith and Helm's Deep and a lot of the other like figures and everything. Like they were just scale sized figures of the actual city same thing with the original star wars and uh, you know jurassic park the original movies weren't all cgi like those were uh like robot puppet dinosaurs out there so like it's almost like movies now we're kind of like drunk off of the fact that we can use it so we just like go balls deep and using all the cgi necessary and then some you know like it, it definitely has a purpose but i too much too much can ruin the the stew you know no no absolutely i remember when i was younger we'd always go because my, my mother's from uh we're outside of long beach a city called san pedro it's a fishing town it's uh you know it's a port town so mm-hmm. i mean we used to go there and we used to go to universal studios a lot when i was a kid and they used used to go through like um the universal backlot tours and they used to take you to you know you get to this part in the, in the water and they actually use like, like, uh, like channel locks to separate the water. Cause it was like the, um, when Moses part of the Red Sea, the Charlton Heston movie. So they had, so you, you're, you're actually like going through like these channels that's that, that part, the sea, not CGI, the very end you get the, there's a, there's a huge King, like a, a mechanical King Kong that they use in the movies. And you kind of sit and stand in his, like in his fist and he like moves behind you. It's just like, you can't you can't have that kind of magic and feel that kind of magic as somebody going to somewhere like Universal Studios that's like uh, a theme park made for the movies. Like, what are you gonna yeah. do? Are you gonna have like g- giant sc- green screens behind you? It's like I've I've <laughs> I've had I've had those like oh X scared in the green screen and then you see the dinosaurs trying to bite you afterwards. It's different when there's a fifty foot or a, or a twenty foot mechanical King Kong moving behind you. It's different. It's a, it's a different kind of like ooh, it's kind of more freaked it's, out. It's green screen. Yeah. right? It's reality. So it's like I, I I agree with you on that, man. That's the kind of movie magic I miss. You know, what I'm saying like like we we've sat here and told you uh, we've sat here and talked about foley artists. How you know foley artists really kind of got me into you know loving audio. You know, what I'm yeah. saying like. If I grew up nowadays, would I have had a love for the audio 
like I did when I watched Fulyard just come to my middle school and like put on a presentation for us. You know, so it's like, so it's like, I guess in, in, in a sense, I feel like these kids are someone missing out on CGI because they constantly see green screen where we, we constantly saw different robots that got stored in back lots in the LA, LA, right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's way different. It's just crazy. You look at those pictures of Pattinson and the Batsuit and he's got like specific, he's got intentionally placed, you know, like stickers to enhance it cgi wise later but you know we grew up with michael keaton just walking around in a big rubber bat suit with the cape you know flailing about i grew up with you know zorro there's nothing cgi about the movie mask of zorro it was just antonio banderas and anthony hopkins and you know black cloth and the cape like (laughs) that's that's what that's what the movie needs Right, no, I'm I'm with you on that one, man. We uh, they need to kind of pull back from the CGI, but it's in everything. It's it's cheaper than building these sets. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. pay one guy, one guy to edit up all this stuff. You know, off of a green screen, it's cheaper. And then they then they get to sell it for the same amount, if not more. Make more merch and everything. They're just making more money off of it to the point where it's like Hollywood's magic is lost its luster. Because greed's taken over in a way, and it's kind of sad now that now that you kind of brought it up like that, Joe. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to no. get too too broad. No, no, you're okay. But... I, I, lo- I love conversations like that, dude, because yeah. it, it's reality, dude. Yeah. It's like, but like if, we're not going to. The whole movie's going to be CGI. It 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 does make it a little bit better. Like I'm okay, obviously. If the whole movie's going to be CGI, then I don't mind seeing you know the turtles as long as they are discernibly looking like turtles and not what we saw in 2014 and 16. I'm, I'm cool with it. Right. And, and plus, and, and, you know, back to Star Wars, can you imagine if they had C-3PO and R2-D2 CGI'd? Right. That would have been the same. Like It wouldn't have been the same, dude. It and, wouldn't have had its same aura to it, you know? And feel. you can't, you can most definitely tell the difference. You know, you can tell there's somebody in that golden, stiff C-3PO suit. Like, you... You can most definitely tell the difference of a CGI character on screen and an actual physically present character, you know? No, absolutely. You can't you that can't fake the, the shine of C3PO's uh gold suit, you know? No, no, exactly. And then you have to edit in all the uh everything that reflects off of it. Just, just Yeah. <laughs> bring bring back the live action suits. Jeez oh man, please guys. <laughs> These sound like angry old folks talking about movies. Me do. I don't get I don't off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Damn it. My lawn's not CGI. <laughs> that would be something if everybody's lawns right. were just CGI, like green screen. Like you could just make your lawn look how Joe, dude, you want. that's that's the future. Have you ever seen that show Black Mirror on Netflix? I haven't watched that one. Watch Black Mirror on Netflix, Joe. It's just like, okay, I guess, I guess I, I could see this being the future. You know what I'm saying? And then, then, then watch Idiocracy as well. And you'd be like, yep, Classic. yeah, this is, where we're, this is where we're headed. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we can move on to uh, some other news that came out last week. Um, I'm kind of, I kind of want to build to my, my favorite news that came out last week. So, you know me, I hate the Patriots, but I, I'm happy for Cam Newton getting a contract with the Patriots. It's a, it's more of a prove-it deal. It's one of those one-year contracts. He's only guaranteed to make 550000 this year, which to us, it sounds like a whole lot. But when you take into account how much like the average 
uh, placeholder makes in the NFL, you know, and how much Cam Newton is worth. He he can make up to seven million, but yeah, Cam Newton got a one year deal with the Patriots. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good fit. In all honesty, I think they're better off at that position than they were last year because I think the last eight weeks of the season, Tom Brady couldn't really throw the ball downfield, which is to be expected because he's a thousand years old. Um, right. I don't think it really makes them like Super Bowl contenders. Like I think Cam Newton is still really good, but you know, there's a reason it took him so long to get signed and that they, the Patriots are always, you know, cheap with their players because players just want to be there, but there's a reason they weren't trying to like lock him up for four years there, you know? Right. You know, I think, I think Cam has had his ups and downs. Um, I think a couple of years ago when he really got, he really got plastered out. I, I, per, I personally think the NFL wasn't protecting him as no. they should have been, should have been protecting quarterbacks. Um, we can, we can go into, you know, colors, but we're not, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I think he was very unjust, unjustly treated that, that season. He got, he got hit. I, I could account, I could account it like on my hands and feet, how many times they missed late calls on the man, you know what I'm saying? And he was like yeah. quarterback that year. So I was constantly watching Cam. And he was, my... he was the reigning MVP of the league too. Right. So you think they right. would like give him a little bit of preferential treatment. Maybe the Patriot uh, treatment factors into that and he gets a little bit this year, but <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just me. Right. And then like, um, like I said, I don't think they protected him, but that was two years ago. I think Cam slams it in him. I think Cam feels like he has – I think Cam plays best when he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. I think Cam plays best when he's pissed off. And I think the league has the man pissed off. Uh, I see a lot of people going around, even 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 pro athletes from other sports are going around saying that that his his uh, base salary is laughable. He's getting paid as much as kickers. Well, that's, that's the only deal he could get at this right. point. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the – if the Patriots probably could throw a couple million, they would have. They didn't have it. I'm saying that's why they have okay. Here's your base salary, but you can make up to seven point five million this year, and right. that's gonna be enough. That's gonna be enough for exactly. And that's gonna be enough for. That's gonna be enough for Cam to say, okay, n- now I have to earn this seven point five million. Yeah. You know I'm saying it's not just gonna fall on his lap. He has to earn it. So are we gonna see three that's gonna earn his paycheck? Because because in for me, when I go to work and I come home, I have a sense of accomplishment. I did something today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I worked my butt off. Today. Not saying Cam doesn't work, didn't work his butt off to get to where he's at or didn't work his butt off in North Carolina. But this year is really going to test him because if he, doesn't, he, if he doesn't work his butt off, he's not getting paid. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like Cam, you, with a chip on his shoulder, with, you know – a little fire in his belly because the way he's been treated and the fact that he actually has to put in work, like actually put in friggin' work and do good every single day to get his paycheck. I think that makes him a very dangerous person in the NFL and a very underrated yeah. um, underdog at this point. And he said today in a, I believe it was an Instagram post. It says I'm tired of getting tired of being humble. So you know, I think it was last week he said it was more about the respect than the money, getting that contract, and now, you know. Right. 
he's a good player. I mean, he he had one really great season that you always want your quarterback to have. He's had a couple good seasons, you know. Um, yeah, we're going to see what he's got left in the tank and see how big of a difference it makes for the Patriots because, you know, if, if they were rolling with either Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham, they'd be much, much worse off than uh, if they if – they, where they are now. So. Oh yeah, most most definitely. And if you know, and and Cam, I think everybody knows the reputation of the Patriots. Yeah, you to go there, do your work, shut up. This is the Patriot way. Obviously, it's worked for them. They're one of the, probably the best dynasties NFL has ever seen. So I think Cam knows what he's getting into. Yeah, I don't think you know he's a th- he thinks he's going to go in there and change the culture. There's no change in the culture in Northeastern America when it comes to football. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So he, I think he knows what he's going into. I think he really wants to win. I think he wants to prove him, prove others. And I think, like you said, he doesn't want to be humbled. He wants to be the one doing the humbling. So I, I feel he's going to be very dangerous this year. I don't, can't, I don't count out Cam Newton. I think he's a marvelous talent. I think when he's at the peak of his game, he's top three quarterbacks in the league for sure. I got you. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that on on most days. Um speaking of one of the top quarterbacks in the league, probably the top quarterback in the league in my opinion, uh just Matthew today, Stanford? Uh oh, just today oh, okay. Patrick Mahomes uh, got locked up <laughs> for ten years, up to five hundred and four million dollars in Kansas City, five up to five hundred and three million dollars. Um I think that's a win win because if you're the Chiefs, how old is he? You really, you really guarantee 23, 24. Yeah, he's he's 24 right now, so he'll be 25 early in the season. You really guarantee you're getting the best player in football for his prime, and then you know you'll see what happens. So there might be a lot of moving pieces. You don't know what where Tyreek Hill will be in three years. You don't know what Travis Kelsey will be doing in four years. You know, I'm. Football is just an ever-changing game, but you've got your most important piece under contract locked. for ten years. Yeah, locked right. in. That's that's big. Yeah, and 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 with and with Pat Mahomes too is what I love best about this kid is that not only his unorthodox play when he's scrambling or his moves and 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 his great athletic ability. Mm-hmm. I love the I love the head this kid has on his shoulders. Such a smart young man yeah. such a humble down-to-earth young man it's like yeah, I mean, NFL the, the needs in all young men like this dude. Game, all three playoff games this past year fell behind by double digits and won by double digits right and 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 we need we need kids like Patrick Mahomes in the league dude there's such a good kid such for, for for kids of all ages all walks of life to look up to dude it's yeah. just it's a, it's a great dude. I think they could do a lot of good things in uh, Kansas City for years to come. I mean, look at he's he, he won the Super Bowl when he was 23. 24, yeah. He won 23, threw for over 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, won the MVP. And the next year, wins the Super Bowl, wins the M- Super Bowl MVP. Lock that young man up. Oh, yeah. Even, even, even so, they're going to make the money off of his T-shirts, his hats, his jerseys alone, they're going to make that money back. So right. you, you can, you'll even see people buying Patrick Mahomes wigs because of his hair. Like, right. 
No, so. he's he's well worth it. That's a win-win situation on both sides. Smart move, smart move, KC. I'm 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 upset because I wish one day we could be talking like that inside the Metro Detroit area. Yeah, but you know, man. well down down in South Beach, we'll see. Uh, I'll give I'll give Tua a couple of years. I think I think there's special things coming for that kid too. <clears throat> hey, but th- but th- but that's for your Dolphins. That's that's for my team. Yeah, <laughs> you know they they they're already known to being the one of the best football teams ever to go undefeated and win championship. Give some to Detroit, man. The Lions <laughs> need some. It's been a starving long kitties time over Marino, here, though, man. It's been a long time since Marino. I've seen a lot of different quarterbacks line up under center. And speaking seen... of speaking oh, of that sorry, Dolphins man. team, dude, rest in peace, Don Shula. Yeah, oh, I know you passed. Yeah. He passed this earlier this year. We kind of yeah, we kind of getting couldn't get to that. So I I thought of you and I was like, oh, well, so. thank you. Yeah, truly one of the greats, uh, if not the greatest coach ever. Um, you know, obviously, I think Belichick. It comes down to either Belichick or Don Shula for the greatest coach of all time. Obviously, Lambeau's name is on the trophy, but uh, or Lombardi, I'm sorry. Lombardi's name is on the trophy, but yeah, no, it's tragic, but you know, everybody's time comes. Right. But yeah, one of the greats, and I'm um, hoping Brian Flores and uh, Tua Tagovailoa bring the Dolphins back up there, but Hopefully, hopefully, like three years down the line, I'm seeing the Dolphins lock up Tua Tagovailoa for ten years, five hundred million dollars. Hey, hey, man, it, I'm sure it's a great feeling for those people over there in uh, in Kansas City. Oh yeah, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that guy in any other colors but your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of great feelings, this is what I've really wanted to get to for most of the episode. This uh, was some exciting news because if you know me, I'm. Uh, I've pretty much built my sports fandom on being a Michigan State basketball fan. Uh, I have resided in the city of Ypsilanti for a few years now. I'm, I'm now living in Ann Arbor, unfortunately, but I still call Ypsilanti home. That's still home to me. It's a great city, great town, lots of great people. And the number one basketball player in the nation in high school, not just in his class, but in high school, currently lives in Ypsilanti, was playing for Ypsilanti, Lincoln um, made two announcements last week, one of which I thought was super cool. Uh, They're making their own prep academy in Ypsilanti. The Bates family is Ypsilanti Preparatory Academy, Academy, which is awesome because they're getting amazing players from all over the state and all over the region. They've even had uh, somebody come up from Georgia to come join their prep team that they just created. I think his name is Genesis Kemp. I was reading that – I was reading something about a young man named Genesis Kemp that's going to yeah. come play with him too at the academy. And they also so that's wild too. Great players from around the state like Jaden Akins, Javon Hanna, lots of players. And uh, bringing them all to Ipsy, which is great for that that town uh, from a public eye standpoint. Because Ypsilanti, it really is kind of like Detroit Junior from from like a public perception standpoint. Like a lot of people think of Ypsilanti and they kind of think of like a rundown ghetto ghetto town and in in parts it is but i i was i was really worried he was going to be leaving the state to play basketball like we've seen a lot of kids do like you know there's so much high school basketball talent from the state of michigan that you just don't realize that devin booker is from michigan uh miles bridges is from flint um 
uh, Kyle Kuzma is also from Flint. There's, there's a lot of young talent in the NBA that originates from our state that ended up playing high school basketball elsewhere. So I love the fact that they built a new prep academy. Like it's unfortunate for Lincoln high that he's leaving, but you know, the year before he got to Lincoln, they were a 500 basketball team. His freshman year, he's the only change on that roster and they win the, the state title. So I think, I think he, he got them what they needed. But to make a, a prep right. academy in Ipsy and bring talent from all over the country <clears throat> in, and it's, it's going to put Ipsy on the map. You, Ypsilanti, I think, is going to become what Flint used to be from a basketball standpoint. Like, it, it'll become a basketball blue blood city. Like, you're going to see, te- like, Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski's and Bill Selfs coming into Ypsilanti to watch these kids play. And I think that's just going to do wonders for the state. And good thing for the Bates family to put this up because you know what? There's enough of these academies, enough of these are put up by people who just want to make money off these young men. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Good for them for saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to do this too. Why not, dude? And it's and it's good to see that kind of diversity also in, you know, big business as well. I love it. Absolutely awesome uh, i've been reading a lot about this kid ever since you told me about him um haven't have seen highlights but i'm not really big on high school highlights because you know yeah. you know i i watched zion williamson dunk on little five foot five white kids <laughs> and thought he was gonna be uh but then he turned out to be like whoa no five foot five white kids really didn't matter he's dunking on seven foot grown men so um i <clears throat> i'm not like i said i'm not really big on highlights but you know from what i saw man the kid can shoot the rock He's yeah. tall, he's lengthy, That's he can handle the ball too. He's not like right. physically imposing like Zion and LeBron were. Like his game right now, it, it, it more translates to what Kevin Durant is doing current day. Like, yeah, he's 6'9". He's 6'9", but he's not like a beast. Like Zion Williamson is a tank who can fly and occasionally shoot the rock. But right, occasionally. Base, he, he's we, smooth. Right, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen a big enough of a shooting sample a size out of Zion to say that he's a prolific or he can right. shoot, you know, consistently. He, he can make it sometimes. Right. Like. But I've always said this, even when it comes to sports, man, and we're going to just stick to basketball for basketball, there's ballers and there's athletes. Those athletes are like you said, Zion, LeBron, you can, you can probably put him in uh, a middle linebacker. They'll, they'll strive. You can probably put him on defense on skates. They can strive. You know what I'm saying anywhere they yeah. go. This kid's a baller, like you said, KD. Like I, I don't think KD would be good at like great at other sports. Like he's great at basketball. You know what I'm saying? Athletes can be great in all these sports that they play. You know what I'm saying? But like exactly. KD, KD, and this kid, and we'll we'll, we'll stick to debates. Imani, Imani, Imani. How you ever say his name? Imani, Imani. Yeah, he's a baller, dude. He balls. It's like I love watching people. You know that are ballers, you know, Bruce Lee said it, you know, you, you flow like water, you know, you put water in the tea cup, it becomes a tea cup. You put water in the pot, it becomes the pot. You know, that's what that kid is, man. He becomes, he becomes this baller. And he, he, like you said, he, he, he flows, you know what I'm saying? There's a flow to him. I'm watching him pull it, pull it up in dude's faces. I mean, like dead face, dude's got their hands in his eyes and he's still stroking it. So it's, it's cool to see that, not only do we have the number one player in the state, the number one small forward in the country, it's he's the number one player in the country. And um, yeah. I don't remember that 
happening in the in in the metro Detroit area or or you know the, the the southeastern Michigan area in a long time. So yeah, it's definitely exciting. But he has what? This is his junior year. He has a He'll 2022 be a this season. Yeah. And I read I read something crazy about him that they, when he was down in down in a tournament, like all these big name colleges didn't even go to see him because they're like, nah, dude. By the time he 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 becomes. Uh, eligible to be in college the, the one and done rule is going to be out the window and this kid's going to the nba you know what i'm saying so like they overlooked him because he's so damn good that they thought he's either going to the nba or you know or gonna be in a g league and being there for like a half a year a year before he hits the nba but they overlooked him yeah he played the part so they said he played the part so well they were like no this kid's the, the one and done rule is gonna be out the window this kid's going straight to the nba well, the other announcement he made last Monday was that if he's going to be playing college basketball, he will be playing college basketball in East Lansing for the green and white because my man Tom Izzo has been doing it the same way since he started. <clears throat> this is the same way he recruited Chris Weber all those days back when he was an assistant coach. It's the same way he recruited Steve Smith, who was the first recruit he won over. It's the same way he went after the Jabari Parkers and, you know, the Josh Jacksons and missed out on them, but it worked this time because like you said, a lot of coaches didn't think the juice was worth the squeeze or the juice wasn't going to be coming because the juice was too good. Right. Tom Izzo has been recruiting him since seventh grade at those tournaments. He was the only coach there when the recruiting, when coaches were allowed to call recruits again last month, the Bates family said there was one coach who called their house and he called at midnight as soon as he was allowed to. And it was Tom Izzo and Graham couch uh, from the Lansing state journal had an article a few years back and I believe it was 2013. And he talked about this on one of his podcasts recently where he said, um, if Tom Izzo had to start over, he would have to be joining Twitter and doing what we see a lot of current coaches doing to try to land recruits, you know, trying to like, vibe with them on social media, trying to like, you know, follow for follow, stuff like that. Right. Tom Izzo texted him back and said something like, F you, I'll do it the same way I built this one because the it works. I'll just outwork everybody. And that's what he that's what he's done here. And you know what? Imani Bates might never play college <laughs> basketball. He might never set foot on East Lansing's campus again. Still, for at least one year everybody's going to be thinking Imani Bates is going to Michigan State, and that's somebody people want to play with. Like, right. when Zion Williamson committed to Duke, it was only, like, a year before he could actually, like, sign the national letter of intent. Imani Bates, you got two years, maybe one if he reclassifies, but looking at it, you got two years to plan for this kid to come to college, so you can build for that, which is rare. So even if he does end up going jump into the NBA, if they allow that, this is still going to be good for Michigan State because your name's going to be tied to this player for probably two years, and it's somebody that players are going to want to come play for. And you know it, it's showing that Izzo's method works, and he's always done really well in the state. You know, I, I brought up guys like Bridges, guys like Draymond Green, Cassius Winston, Denzel Valentine, Mateen Cleaves. You know. Lots of players from in-state, and this is an in-state kid, but this is a national recruit. Like, this is the number one recruit, not just for his class, but the next two classes. So right. it's, it's a special thing, even if, even if it doesn't 
end up being the match made in heaven that it, it looks like it is right now, it's a special thing. I mean, he's the highest rated recruit for Michigan State since Magic Johnson. The, he's the highest rated recruit in the, in the country. Uh, they're saying since LeBron. It's freaking huge, bro. It is very huge. And you want to know, Joe, what would make me more at ease if I was a Michigan State fan, if I was you? The fact hmm. that um, these kids are going to get paid to play in 2021. Yeah. He's he's coming to Michigan State 2022. It might be more lucrative for him to stay here and help him grow his parents' academy. I know I'm going to go to the NBA. Let me do yeah. a couple years. Let me do a couple years here. Let me win a championship. Let me uh, 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 use my popularity, use my notoriety uh, as, as a publicity promotion for my academy while I'm still getting thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably if not millions in promotions, like, you know, it, Nike picked him up. So-and-so picked him up. Oh, he's doing, you know, uh, he's doing stuff for Quicken Loans, you know. Yeah. Dan Gilbert's paying him a, a grip. <laughs> exactly. And if, and if that can happen, it's going to it's gonna make these kids kind of stick around into the uh, to the college scene a little bit more. I think this pay-to-play is, is actually helping college basketball. It's, a lot of people don't see it that way. I think it's because it's going to keep some kids there who not necessarily are going to make that money in the NBA, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, it's it's definitely a win-win um, for all athletes if that can happen, and especially for somebody, a, a player like Bates' stature. And if you look at Michigan State's history, how many schools, if, if Imani Bates does come to Michigan State and play – and have a successful career at Michigan State if he stays for one year and has a successful career in the NBA. How many schools can say they had a Magic Johnson back in the late 70s and then another player like Imani Bates in the current times, you know? How many schools can right. say they had two players like that? You know, like Carolina had had Michael, and, you know, they had Vince Carter stick around for a long time. Um, Duke, they've sent a lot of solid players to the NBA, but none of them have really been like – the the top of the game, like the one name players, like Magic, right. Michael, LeBron, right. you know, they've had a lot of J J Jason Williams, JJ Redick type players. That, right. You know, they, they're they're good. They're they're awesome. I mean, they're probably going to be analysts later on in their yeah. life. But yeah, I mean, now they do have you know Tatum and Zion and Kyrie. If you want to include Kyrie in that conversation in there too, but you know, Michigan State, the program that it is right now, it was built on four year players like Cleves and Green and Valentine and Winston, but right. if you can get those players like, like Magic Johnson and you have players doing their thing in the NBA like Draymond Green and Jaron Jackson Jr. right now, and you can add an Imani Bates to that history, that's, that's just such a win. And I was always going to be cheering for this kid unless he went to like Duke because he's an Ypsilanti kid and he's the best in the country and he comes from Y-Town. Like that's – it's fantastic to me. <laughs> like, no, I, I get it. Yeah, I get you. So bro. going to, if he goes to Michigan State, that's just the cherry on top. But yeah. I, I think he will. You know, I'm a, I'm gonna say a quote of his when they, you know they told him that he was committing to state. So they've been showing me love since I was in seventh grade, like you just said. Uh, they've been rec- recruiting me hard since then, like you just said. I just know they show me that they love me and they've been there for a long time. I'm big on loyalty. They've showed a lot of loyalty. So I think I think this kid with his family stepping out and doing this prep academy, they want big things, dude. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like it's like when, when when you talk about you know college basketball, you everybody. I don't care where you are in this country, you automatically are gonna you know talk about the blue the blue team royalties. You know what I'm saying? And he has a chance to build a culture like that. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that Michigan State doesn't have you know a basketball culture like that, mm-hmm. but to but to the but to the magnitude of a Duke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I I I know I know I know. And I'm not downplaying state at all. Right? No, no, I understand. Like, They've I, done great things. They I was ready things, to make but, this argument as well. Right. And, and and I feel like Amani Bates, you know, like you said, 10, 20 years from now, when you're like college basketball, oh, Michigan State. You know what I'm saying? He can be that guy to transcend this college, this program to the level of, you know, where Duke's been at for the past, like, 40 years. Exactly. So. Yeah. Like – you know, when you when you look at like the biggest thing for recruits is like who have you sent to the NBA? And there's a lot of solid Michigan State players in the NBA. You know, I just brought up a ton. Uh Draymond right. and Gary Harris and Miles Bridges. I think Jaron Jackson could be a star. I think Rocket Watts could get there someday. Um, if you can have somebody that is in like the same era as Durant and LeBron current day, then it changes a lot. But yeah, we'll see. Um <laughs> I was not expecting him to commit like he did. You know, I, I saw he was going to be on Sports Center, so I was at work. I pulled up YouTube TV and put my headphones in, and was like listening to the interview while I was working on something. And then I heard them say like, "Okay, where are you going to commit?" And I like switched over to the screen and saw his whole family put on Michigan State caps. And I was like, you know, it was pretty quiet in my in my office. And I was like, "Yeah!" And everyone was like, "Like, what the hell is going on right now?" <laughs> and, you squ- and you squirt it out a- and you squirt it out a little pee <laughs> a little bit yeah <laughs> you know like definitely <laughs> that's just excitement that can't be contained my man <laughs> <laughs> so. no but yeah man it's um i think even if you're not even if you're you know if you're uh, if you're uh, an arbor u of m fan it's just you know I'm, i i love to see good good compet- i love to see the, the state of michigan win Simple yeah. as that, you know. what I'm saying I just don't want to see the state of Michigan win. Um, would I have liked it better if uh, Amani Bates committed to Michigan? Yeah, I would liked it better. But you know what? They haven't been recruiting this since seventh grade. They haven't been going hard on the kids since seventh grade. So you know what? They're lost. That's right. But um, man, this this was a good episode. We had a lot of exciting stuff to get to, and um. Man, these are exciting times. If if we get sports, we we will be getting NBA this month. But I'm kind of, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of getting more cautious as that grows near. But if we get NBA this summer, then uh, you know you guys can always tune in to get our takes. Absolutely, uh, July thirtieth. I I might even take that day off. I don't I don't know if it's what day it is, but it's it's the Clippers and the Lakers is the first game, dude. Um. And I, I was saying this earlier, you know, a, a well-rested LeBron is scary. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Three months of rest and then a, a quick jaunt to the playoffs and then the playoffs. This, the, the COVID couldn't come at a better time for LeBron James, in my opinion. You know, so um, I can't wait. July 30th, dude, I, I'm either telling them, hey, I'm taking like a – a three-hour break, you know, or I'm going to take the day off because I'm really excited to watch it. I really am. But being without sports this long, I just it, it just it needs to come a little sooner than later. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not holding my breath, but, you know, if we get it, I'll be crazy happy. I'm kind of taking the same approach as I am with the, the Ninja Turtles movie that we're getting. So we will see. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if they do cancel it, uh, you'll you'll be finding me on the weekends at the YMCA watching 15 over basketball leagues because I'll be that freaking desperate. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Joe. It was great talking with you, bro. I love hearing your sexy voice, man. Oh, thank you so been, much. I've been so. working on it, man, just for you. Oh, awesome. Thank <laughs> you. I'm flattered. Good talking <laughs> to you, man. Um, Good talking to you, brother. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the Beers for Radio podcast. Uh, we'll try to keep going at it consistently until things are back to semi-normal. Yeah, so we get the COVID out the way. That's right. All right. Best, uh, All right brother. best regards, my man. Yes, sir. Do the same. All right, peace out.